Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Corinthians. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Why don't you turn with me? We're just going to have a quick kind of devotional Bible study, hopefully some great things that you can just take home with you and just kind of muse on through the week. Because this is a portion of Scripture out of 2 Corinthians, beginning with verse 30 of chapter 11, that we're going to move through fairly quickly. But in that little portion of Scripture, from verse 30 into chapter 12, uh, verse 10, we find just this consistent thought of dealing with the infirmities that we face living in these bodies. We experience infirmity. Infirmity can be either a sickness that we struggle with, a sickness. It can be not just a sickness, but maybe just an inflicted pain that we have. It's just basically a weakness because of the body and the mind and the frame in which we live. And Paul was defending, you remember, his apostleship, his leadership, and he was talking about the fact that he had gone through many sufferings, many struggles as a believer and the things that happened to him. And we pick it up in verse 30 of chapter 11. It says, If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. He's going to use that word three times in these verses as we go through them. This word infirmity, weakness. He says, if I'm going to boast or try to defend or show you really the the proof of the ministry that I have, I'm going to do so through weakness, not through this aggressive, worldly manner of which we see so often. He says, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king, was guarding the city of the Damascenes, with a garrison desiring to arrest me. Now remember, he was en route, trying to get down to you know, Damascus. He's going to uh, kill all these Christians. He's going to persecute them. That, that's what his, his personal mission was. Uh, while en route, he met the Lord. And so he gets there, and his life is totally changed, totally different. He wants to reach these people. He wants to share the gospel. He goes right into, uh, because his burden would be to connect with the Jewish people, he goes there, tries to minister to them, but instead the whole thing just backfires on him. He's all excited about what God's going to do through him, and you and I may experience that too. Sometimes we're all excited, we really think, man, there's going to be this breakthrough, God's going to really do this thing, and then all of a sudden, he says, it was a letdown in a basket, through a window in the wall, and escaped from, the, from his hands. It's just a big letdown, really. He's stuck in this basket now, sent off kind of just, hey, get out of here. We don't, you know, nobody wants this. You know, you've created a big uproar. And so he's kind of just shoved off, out and off he goes. He says, man, that was really, really probably one of the biggest struggles he had ever faced was that. Because he really believed there was some specific thing that was going to happen. God was doing something. But it wasn't quite the same. And God always provides a means of escape for us. Let's move on. In the midst of a trial, in the midst of a struggle. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast, but I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. 
Visions and revelations were a big deal amongst the apostles and, you know, so-called apostles. Many of the false apostles and false people were doing the same thing. They were talking that same way. Well, they have these visions and they have these revelations. And we find that today, too. That's something that sometimes is thrown out there, these visions and these revelations and all these things. Hey, I believe in visions and revelations. I've got no problem with that. But Paul's just saying, hey, these guys are boasting kind of falsely of theirs. He goes, I've got some things that have happened to me, kind of what is what he's saying. I know a man. He's really speaking of himself, but he's just kind of going third person in this discussion, verse two. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I'm not really sure, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Such a one was caught up into the third heaven. He goes, I'm not really sure It seemed like the whole person of me went up into the third heaven, but I'm not positive. What is the third heaven? What is this place? What is this marked off? So this first kind of layer, if you want to call it that, you just got, you know, the clouds and the birds and the, you know, just this first layer of the sky that we see. Then you go past that and it's the stars. And this is the way they see it in the stars. Now, past the stars into the heavenlies, into the heavens, is what they call paradise. And that's eternity. This is how it's described. This is how their vantage of it is described for us, and we we would see it in that same light or in that same way. And I know such a man, and this is out of Acts 14, 19. You can look it up later, but this is out of Acts 14, 19. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. So he's saying, it wouldn't be possible for me to really express what I saw. Now, do you see him writing there? He isn't going on a book tour saying, I saw the bright light. He's saying, no, I saw and heard things that there's not a word I could ever use to express what I saw or what I heard in the presence of the living God. It's just not possible. It wouldn't be legal. It wouldn't be right. I couldn't do it justice. It wouldn't be lawful for me to try to express that. Of such a one, I will boast. Yet of myself, I will not boast. Of whom he saw, of what he saw, of what he experienced in that that vision, in that eternal realm, that is what he wants to talk about. Not of himself, except in my infirmities. He says, within myself, I will boast of my infirmities, my weaknesses. We're going to get to this, how this really fits together for you and for me. And I'm, I'm telling you, you're going to have some good things stuck in your you know, doggy bag to take home with you. you know, there's some good things in here to think about. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. He goes, I know that if I say too much about all of this stuff, you guys are going to start elevating me, and you're going to miss the good thing that God has in it. And isn't that the truth? Isn't it important for us, for you, for for me, that we have an element of transparency that you can see through someone's life to the Lord? Transparency that they might be able to see through you and see the Lord in you. So it's not so much just you but that they see God working through you and and what God's doing in the midst of your life. Paul's saying, that's really what I want to talk about, and that's why I'm going to go to my, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to talk about my infirmities, my weaknesses, my struggles, those issues, because we all face those. That's something that whether a believer or a non-believer, anybody in the world can identify with a struggle, a weakness, because we all experience them. And 
lest I should be exalted above measure. By the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me as a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly I'd rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's go back, verse 7, and just break this down real quick. This is your take-home stuff. This is the stuff that we can use every day. Infirmity, weakness, struggle in this body, whether it be a physical ailment, a affliction of sorts, we experience this in this life. And how you perceive this and how I perceive this is very, very important. Because you see, we could get bogged down in our infirmity and just be laid to waste because of infirmity, couldn't we? It's just a struggle. It's difficult. You know, there are so many that face such difficult situations each and every day. How can I help? How can you help? How can we help? I love the fact that Paul put this in here out of his own personal experience, the affliction that he felt and what happened to him. And he said, lest, in verse 7, lest I should be exalted above measure, lest, lest I just get too far out there with things, lest I be perceived as something that maybe I'm really not, Lest I just go somewhere that I ought not to go in myself. God allowed an affliction to come upon me, an infirmity, a thorn in the flesh. And when he's describing thorn in the flesh, he's not talking about, you know, I was building a deck and I got this splinter in my hand and oh my gosh, I pulled the thing out. He's not talking about that size of a thorn. He's not talking about the briar that you brushed up against when you're out hiking. He's not talking about that kind of a thorn. That word thorn is the same word that's used to describe as one of the tent stakes. Sandy ground tent stakes. Sandy ground means you got to have a long tent stake to drive in to keep the tent from blowing over. He was using that kind of a term. It felt like a big spike going into me. That kind of an affliction. That kind of an infirmity. A real difficulty. And he says, lest I should be exalted above measure. One thing I'd have you note is oftentimes the afflictions or those infirmities can be something that are protection for you and for me. He says, that protected me from going somewhere in my mind or thinking something of myself I ought not to. I'm living, Paul's saying, in this body and I'm experiencing infirmity just like you. Now his infirmity, we aren't exactly positive. Some people think it was just a, a chronic dysentery that he was struggling with, which probably was likely that he was. Some people say, well, no, he had this Chinese eye disease thing that was going on, oriental eye disease. Chinese, I don't know how that happened, but oriental eye disease that, that got, in, got in there and, and that he was afflicted with that. And we're not sure. We're not, we don't know exactly. All I know is he was in a deep point of struggle with this. But it was a protection that was placed there by God. And why do I say placed there by God? Is because God allowed it. You see, when we go through and we read in Job, we find out that, 
There's nothing that happens in your life or my life, anybody believer's life, that God's not, first of all, aware of it and that he allowed it. If he allowed it, he allowed it for his purpose and for his glory. All things work together for good for those who love God and are the called according to his purposes. That's either a truth that we stand on or we don't. We either trust God and say, I trust you, God. I'm experiencing an affliction, and I'm going to say, I trust God. Not in some weird, martyred way, because we're going to get into that. Not in a weird, martyred way, but just saying, you know, I really do trust God. That God knows what I'm going through. God knows what I'm experiencing. God's aware of it. Jesus Christ experienced more pain than you and I could ever identify with on the cross. Than most of us will ever know. Or I, It says that he is acquainted with our griefs and sufferings in Hebrews. That we have a great high priest that knows what you and I go through. He's acquainted with you. He's acquainted with your struggle. It's not brand new. <laughs> to you and me, it's pretty brand new sometimes, isn't it? That pain, that struggle, that difficulty that we face. That seems brand new, but it's not to the Lord. The Lord's aware of it. So that first thing is, Oftentimes, God may allow those things. There's a protective measure that he's placing there. God knows, he allows. He says, lest I be exalted above measure, as I just get somewhere where I I just shouldn't be, within myself or for others to see me in some light that I shouldn't be seen. Concerning this thing in verse 8, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. The second thing you'd note there is that drives us oftentimes to a place in prayer. And I'm not saying you don't pray, brothers and sisters. I know that. We all pray. But man, when we're afflicted, prayer takes on a new dimension, doesn't it? We're really struggling, or someone we love and care about is struggling. And they're, they're afflicted. I've watched both of my parents go on into eternity. I watched my mom and my dad go on into eternity. Both died of cancer, physical death. And it's difficult watching people. I've sat and held hands with people in the early days when they didn't have much remedy or do, much that they could do for AIDS victims. And I've held hands with people and helped them get on into the other side. It's, it's, it's difficult watching you know, this body expire, isn't it? It's difficult to watch that happen and, and see that. And you watch it and you're praying, Lord, man, I'm so desperate for this affliction, this infirmity be, to, to, for them to be delivered. You know, it drives us to a place in prayer when you and I experience whatever type of affliction it might be, whatever type of struggle we face, whatever type of loss we experience, it it takes us to this place in prayer where we connect with God that had we not experienced that, we wouldn't know him the way we know him. Do you think maybe dad wants that? Do you think maybe dad wants us to, to hang out with him that way? I think so. He knows what's best. And, and so this thing that he allowed, Paul says, man, it turned out. It drove me to the cross. I pleaded with him three times that it might depart from me. Now, his prayer is, his prayer is, hear this, because this is important. His prayer is, I want relief. Isn't that your prayer? Isn't that my prayer? Oh, my goodness, I'm telling you. And then this was nothing, it really. It was nothing in the scope of anything. But a couple of months ago when I had that bad bout with some shingles, which is fairly painful, I was in serious prayer of this matter. Um, especially not knowing what it was at first, but it was very painful. And I was like, wow, Lord, what, what kind of affliction is this? You know, 
what manner of thing have we got going here? You know, I, I was pretty concerned. But my prayer, just like yours would be, I want relief. I want relief from the pain. I want to be released from that. Because, let's face it, it hurts. <laughs> you know, we, we want to be relieved. That, I think that's natural, that's normal, that there's nothing wrong. Paul's asking for that. But the thing that's so great to me, that while seeking relief, something else came. While seeking relief, because he was seeking to communicate with God, while seeking relief, something got revealed. Something deeper than relief happened. Something got revealed to him. Something about the divine nature and character of God that is so wonderful, so good for us to embrace. He says, I pleaded with the Lord three times. I was prayerful. I was seeking God. I wanted relief. But this is what God said to him. This is what Jesus said. You'll notice in a red letter edition that verse 9, there's a good portion of that, at least 50% or so, is in red. This is Jesus speaking. And he, Jesus, said to me, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. This is what's God, now Jesus, reveals himself to Paul. He wants relief, but the relief is really the Lord. He wants relief, but he's, something's revealed. Jesus reveals himself, and he says, Hey, I'm what you need. He, he says, My grace. He's speaking personally of himself. You are, God, what we need. Jesus is saying, I am what you need. You remember as we prayed opening prayer this morning, we called Jesus the great I am. And that is because he refers to himself. And Moses in talking with God, you know, saying, hey, who shall I say sent me? I am, that I am. And this I am that you find through the Bible in reference to God is, it really means the becoming one, the one who is able to meet the deepest need of any human life. Whatever that need, whatever that serves, that, that, he is the becoming one, the one who is able to meet that deep, deep need. He says, my grace, my unmerited love and favor, it is sufficient, not partially, not maybe, but it is sufficient for you. It is enough is what that means. It is enough that grace, Jesus is enough to meet your need, whatever that is. He is enough. Oh, what a great thought. And then he says, not only that, but my strength is made perfect in weakness. And we'll talk about that a little bit further. But he's talking about his strength that now he's going to impart to you and to me. So we know that God knows. We know that he allows that suffering. We know that sometimes it's very protective for us. It helps us from getting into thinking or being or doing something that is not what we're supposed to be. We also know that it drives us to this place of prayer. Though we're seeking relief, it often brings us this revealed presence of God that we would not know otherwise. Therefore, Paul says, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities and the weaknesses. What is it? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. 
That next thought is, is that in the midst of the infirmity, when I'm praying, I want relief. And then I realize, though, that I really just need God. I need Jesus. And then I realize that not only is his grace sufficient for that need, but his strength, his power, his ability. Brothers and sisters, it may be just the ability to cope. It might be just the ability to cope with a situation. It might not be this wonderful radical deliverance. It might be just that he is the power that we need to cope. To just deal with it. Man, the great power of the sufficiency of his grace and the knowledge that his strength is perfected in your infirmity in my infirmities. It's perfected. It's made perfectly full and complete, mature in weakness. We, in our world today, want to show that we're, we're, we're in control of the situation. We're dominant in that matter. We can handle that. that that's, that's, that's how we want to posture ourselves. Oh, we know. I know about, I know about that. You know? We just posture ourselves this way. And God said, you know, there's no power in that. The power is in understanding that the strength is found in weakness. Paul goes on and says, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Now, boom, that gets tough, doesn't it? That's not always easy. And again, that's not that I take pleasure and I'm running up the flag, sound the alarm. Oh, infirmity, thank God for that. You know, it's, it's, that's kind of a little bit of it not accurate, okay? It's more of the idea that, man, I'm not bad-mouthing what God has allowed to happen in my life. I'm not dogging God because God's allowed that. Well, God doesn't know what I go through. Or, well, pastor, this is great and everything, but you have no idea what I've suffered. No, I don't, but Jesus does. I may not be acquainted with it, but Jesus is. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about Jesus' sufficiency. Not your friend, not your husband, not your wife, not your mom, your dad, your grandma, grandpa. Not your aunt or your uncle. The sufficiency is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Only. That's where it all comes together. I will take pleasure, therefore, in infirmities. The last thought here I want you to grab a hold of is, it changes your and my perspective. How I see life, how I see life's victories and how I see life's horrible, horrible depths of struggle. How I see that is very much connected with how I see infirmity, and it changes how I see God. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for tuning in today and listening to the message. I know that God is doing a work in your life. I know that as you hear his word, he's doing something in your heart, and he wants to begin that good work in your life, as he's done in many of our lives, and he wants to forgive you of your sin. Maybe some of you are just carrying that weight of sin, and you just want to be forgiven. Well, God wants to forgive you. 
It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. God loves you. He wants to forgive you of all your sin. All you have to do is pray this simple prayer of faith and begin this new journey with Jesus. Again, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. God loves you, and God will forgive you. Just pray this simple prayer with me. Jesus, I want to ask that you would forgive me of my sin. You know exactly where I've been and what's been going on in my life, and I want to begin a new life in you. And so, Jesus, I ask that you would come into my heart and be my personal Lord and Savior, and that I would begin this new journey with you. I ask that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit, that I might live a life that would please you and bring you glory. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you for saving me. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. And if you're social media savvy, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash calvarychapelkc. Also, Living Fountains podcasts are available in the iTunes store now, and you can download them at no cost. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com, or you can simply contact the church office at 913-681-1635. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains.